was like, hey, um, are, what's what's happening with the dump right now? And they go, oh, the bins are full. So, you know, we can't have anyone dump here for like a couple of hours. So like, other people were just waiting in line. I was like, well, you do know that you're blocking the entirety of Sisson Street all the way back to the highway entrance, like the highway ramp dumps out onto here and it's backed up to the highway. I was like, you really need to go out there and tell people that like they just need to move on because there are other city dumps that we can go to. <laughs> There's other places. Yeah. And he was like, mm, that's not really my job. So I fair. Like, okay. <laughs> I was like, great. Well, I mean, I think you should tell everybody, but whatever. So then we were like, and then, so we have two cars trying to get into the dump. So then we're like, all right, well, we'll go to the other one. We go there. Same thing. Line backed up to the highway. My God. And then I went to another one and they were like, cool. So I was like, okay, great. But so then we go to that one and then we go back, get another load, go back to the one. So I was like, yeah, they have plenty of room. Dumpsters are full. Can't get in. Because everybody else went. <laughs> I everybody know. else went. Oh. So then we went all the way down to Hawkins Point. <laughs> and I got to see four city dumps. In one day. In one day. That's beautiful. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> what was more exciting for Baltimore today? The inauguration or the recycle pickup? <laughs> recycle pickup is back. I, I did love that because my friend um, had a preemie baby and she finally got to take her home. And she was like, she was like, I don't know whether we're more excited for like the inauguration for recycling being picked up or for bringing our baby home. She's like, they're all just so equal right now. <laughs> um, but we're not here to talk about the dump. No, <laughs> probably should have been talking about the inauguration. Yeah, but that's OK. Probably. <laughs> uh, we're here to talk about her street on the rocks with Katie and Allie. This is a podcast where we talk about famous women in history. And we talk about good women and bad women and fictional women and non-fictional women from all times and places because women have nuance. But keep in mind, we are drinking the entire time. And we're not historians. No, absolutely not. (laughs) We're Googlers. (laughs) Right. But we do our best to bring you the facts Mm -hmm. that other people have brought to us Mm -hmm. and we tie it all together Mm -hmm. and then you just get to listen to it. Exactly. And if you (laughs) haven't listened to us enough... You can find us in other places. You absolutely can. We have been on Hashtag History, Mm -hmm. and I'll mention their episode in my story tonight. Mm -hmm. And we've been on the Bradshaw Boys, and Nevertheless, She Existed, and Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, and Hot Flashes and Cool Topics. Oh, my gosh. We're all over the place. So go find us. Go meet our friends, our podcast friends. It's like the circle is expanding. If (laughs) 3,000 minutes of us last year wasn't enough... There's more. Yes, there's always more. <laughs> um, but before we get into this, we need to do something a little special because you are busy taking pictures of your girls in front of the TV watching Kamala Harris be sworn in as the first female vice president. And it's incredible. And it's like I was crying today watching all the pictures of little girls watching this historic moment it's so beautiful so you have tears in your eyes you're taking a photo of your children watching this amazing moment in history so you can't look up what these women look like (laughs) so we're gonna tell you we're gonna tell you what they look like we're gonna get a little physical physical Allie, who are you doing and what does she look like? I am doing Christy Yamaguchi. Ooh. I'm very excited. Of course, she was like a right in the era for mm-hmm. me watching Olympics as a child. So she has a lean figure skater body. She is of Japanese descent with long wavy black hair. She's 4'11". Really? 
Now, That's so short. I found that in like one place online and then couldn't find anybody that refuted it, but I really don't believe it because she, she comes looks, off as so tall. She's so statuesque. Yeah, I just don't. I don't buy it. So well, somebody looked that up. Carmen and, Miranda was like 4'11". Yeah. And I thought she was much taller. And also she's on ice skates, which uh, gives you a good foot. That's true. <laughs> they're very tall. That's anyway, um, she has a long, thin nose and a very cute smile with like cute, puffy cheeks and nice cheekbones. Um, obviously, she's built like an athlete. And also, I have a petition that we all need to sign to get her Wikipedia picture changed because they picked a terrible photo really and i know that like wikipedia like the pictures and everything are sourced by the public but this one's really bad <laughs> it's horrible everybody look it up and then somebody change somebody it. fix it there's something i think charles vincent said he knew how to do things like that yeah. so you so said that on something make it better fix it charles thank you <laughs> okay who are you doing and what does she look like okay so i am doing lagatha the shield maiden Ooh. um she is a strong beautiful probably blonde viking woman <laughs> cool uh, she is most often portrayed with like this long blonde hair um sometimes it's braided completely but we know from the one main source we have written about her that she usually fought with it at least relatively down which made her stand out because a lot of vikings did have kind of longer hair but the men would like tie it up and stuff before they went into battle oh interesting so that's what kind of made her stand out on the battlefield. Um, we know that she had uh, like a slim frame, but that's pretty much all we know is that she was just a really strong warrior woman. Um, I don't really know what she would have worn into battle. In one battle in particular, she did wear men's clothing, um, but she was never trying to hide the fact that she was indeed a woman and a very powerful woman at that. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to hear her story. But before we do, can you tell me what I'm drinking? Yes. Okay. It's very pink. <laughs> so this is a cocktail called A Most Presumptuous Dame. It is an ounce of Aquavit, an ounce of vodka, an ounce of Aperol, juice from half a lime, and half an ounce of vanilla simple syrup. Ooh. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, it's really good. I like it. Mm. I like it a lot. It's mm. got a very unique taste. Mm -hmm. It's very rich. Mm -hmm. I um, I really like Aquavit, but I feel like you need to just kind of like sneak it in there because I th one time I tried to make it as like the main liquor and it like didn't quite work like it was a little too much okay so it has a very like rye taste to it um but I love adding it in because it's um a Scandinavian liquor it, it pairs well with the Aperol yes it does for sure um it's kind of actually reminiscent of our Dolly Parton cocktail which is why I bought the Aquavit in the first place it was right. an Aquavit and Aperol cocktail too and her birthday was like two days it ago it was happy birthday Dolly we Parton love you I didn't mm. post about you this year because I posted about you last year on your birthday mm. I know it's been a full year but I try to zhuzh it up yeah. <laughs> you know okay so I don't know anything about this person. Okay. Um, all I know is Viking era, mm -hmm. uh, which to me means Scandinavian. Mm -hmm. I know that we've talked a little bit about that in the past. And like people like Boudicca, like there may have been more women fighters amongst that group than we knew of previously. And we're just starting to find some cool things out. So yep. that's all I know. Perfect. Perfect. Um, so... Right off the bat, um, I got a lot of this from Wikipedia, um, just some history channel articles online. 
um, and the podcast Half Hour History, which had also like the similar sources, you know, and like just some YouTube videos about like yeah, a smattering <laughs> of things. It's just a real smattering because um, there's not much on her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the legend of the great shield maiden Lagatha comes to us from the Gesta Duranum, which is a historical record from the 12th century of the Vikings written by Saxo Grammaticus. Wow. So it's important to note him because he's kind of a legendary macho dickhead. Um, And even though his passion was writing about the history of Scandinavia and the Vikings, he thought that they were terrible heathens. And he thought it was absolutely despicable that they allowed their women to fight in battle because they should be at home in the kitchen bearing children. So his writing is not biased at all then. No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And like, the whole thing is like he kind of writes about like he adds women into the stories to be like and this is an extra layer of their like depravity <laughs> like they allow women to have rights good for him good um, for him but apparently he adds a nice note at the end saying like don't worry the church like fixed all of their nonsense so like they got better mm. <laughs> at least that's the way that half hour history put it and i i loved that because i've never heard of this person before um but obviously it sounds like saxon grammar his name so i'm guessing that yeah he is a prolific (laughs) (laughs) semi-historian um but through the fires of toxic masculinity women of power and importance prevail so because of this and the fact that like some people don't even think she existed at all um we don't have a kind of birthday for her but most people believe that she lived in norway in the ninth century Everyone knows her as the wife of this famous Viking, Ragnar Lothbrok. But how she got to that point is arguably like the most interesting part of her story. Hmm. So when we meet Lagatha, she is in the court of King Seawood of Norway. And things are going all right with her. She's a relatively noble birth, you know, because she's in the court. So we don't know exactly how she got there or what her family ties are. Um, But we can assume that she has some money, some education, and especially some military training. Or like, you know, just training in how to fight. Like I imagine her like Arya. Like just like from a young child, like give me a fucking sword. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, and everything's fine until King Free of Sweden comes over and kills King Seawood. In a very classic Viking raid. Like, I didn't know there was all this trouble in Scandinavia. Um, But it wasn't just enough for him to come over and kill the king and, like, try and get, you know, get power. He wanted to take over and humiliate his court. So he took all the young maidens from the court and put them into a brothel. That's not okay. No, it's not. Um, And you know who took real offense to this? Seawood's grandson, a famous, famous Viking warrior by the name of Ragnar Lothbrok, who, when all this happens, is living in Denmark. Mm. He's like, what the fuck happened to my grandpa? I got to get back. Um, so he hears of this travesty. He comes in and he leads a revenge raid <laughs> back on King Free. Um, but he realizes he's a bit outnumbered halfway through. He goes, God damn it. I did not bring enough people. <laughs> oh, do we know, side note, do we know what Ragnar means? I don't know what Ragnar means, but I know Lothbrook means like woolly legs. Interesting. Or like hairy legs or something like that. Because like Thor being the Nordic god, you know, uh-huh. the Avenger movie Thor Ragnarok. Right. It has to be like a, it has to be like a Nordic word. I, I was think just it definitely is. It. I just do not know. <laughs> I don't know either. That's why I asked. <laughs> um, so he's outnumbered and he's like, oh my God, I'm really worried. What if we don't win? But then he looks and he goes, hold on. 
who are those guys over there? I didn't bring them. He goes, and why is their hair not tied up? And why is it so long? And then he's like, oh, my God. And his eyes bug out of his head. And he's like, well, what? Those are ladies. <laughs> and out of the brothel, Lagatha had dressed her women in men's clothing and led them into battle to get their own fucking revenge. This sounds like the Amazon women of like Wonder Woman status. Yes. Yes. Okay, cool. She that's like I feel like all she ever wanted to do is like create like an Amazonian like <laughs> which is funny because they do refer to her as an Amazon. So Gal Gadot and Robin Wright yes. are like marching out of this brothel and they're ready to kill someone. Exactly. Okay. So Ragnar's watching them and he's like what the fuck? Where did they learn to fight like that? Especially that blonde girl in the front. He sees Lagatha, and according to Saxo, she is, quote, a skilled Amazon who, though a maiden, had the courage of a man and fought in front among the bravest with her hair loose over her shoulders. All marveled at her matchless deeds, for her locks flying down her back had betrayed that she was a woman. Again, she wasn't like, trying to like hide it i think probably just didn't really have any clothes honestly yeah. probably, but, well probably the clothes were made that were inconvenient for yeah, battle exactly like, i have to wear these boys <laughs> clothes because otherwise i will fall down right exactly <laughs> and we know that she was a skilled military strategist so it might have been like a thing of like we'll just sneak in because they won't think much of us and mm. then yeah we'll fuck them up um so the battle left flank, left flank. exactly <laughs> so the battle has ended norway is saved from sweden but ragnar can't even focus on the victory because he's so distracted by this woman lagatha so he goes up to her after the battle and he's like i think we should get married and she's like i don't think so and she walks away <laughs> Not down, sorry. Ragnar is like, wow, now I want you even more. So he starts courting her. He, like, pays her visits. He's writing her letters, asking her to marry him. But she's not budging. And, in fact, she gets her own house. And she puts a hound and a bear outside to protect her from strangers and unwanted suitors. Very smart. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what the British royals did, right? Mastiffs yeah, and exactly. lions. Mm -hmm. That's what you have to do. That's what you got to do. Lions, tigers, and bears. <laughs> exactly. Um, but don't worry. Ragnar's not giving up, and he gets past this challenge by killing her fucking pets. Ah, damn. I thought he was going to hold a boombox over no. his head. I mean, it's ah. probably like the Viking equivalent, I guess. Mm, I holding guess. two dead creatures. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and some people kind of interpret this as like a challenge that Ragnar had kind of like Ragnar had kind of been like, you know, like one of those like mythological, like, oh, you must defeat the bear and the hound before you get this. Um, I just think she didn't want to be fucking bothered. It's very sleeping beauty um, with like the, yeah. the thorns. Exactly. And the eyeballs coming out. Yeah. Or was that Rapunzel? No, that was sleeping beauty. I remember because she like curses the castle and it's like, grr, 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 mm. and it's like that really intense, like string quartet. Music. Yeah. I feel like in Grimm's fairy tale though, like he has to like climb up the castle, the prince. Yeah. For Rapunzel and falls down and blinds himself. Maybe oh, he does. Yeah. 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 He does do that. So there's lots of thorns happening. Lots of thorns. But these are bears and or yes. mastiffs or whatever they are. <laughs> um, but yeah, some, some people are like, oh no, he just had to prove himself brave and strong enough to be worthy of her. Um, so he does and they get married and they have two daughters, um, and one son named Friedleif. Um, and you'd think that this made him happy. I mean, that's what he wanted. Um, but unfortunately toxic masculinity is contagious and his soldier buddies end up convincing him 
that it totally wasn't okay for her to have a bear and a dog attack him. So they have three kids. This was years ago. And all of a sudden he's like, you know what? You're right. I should be upset about this now. So he literally marches home and divorces her because of something that happened at the like minimum minimum three years ago. Okay, buddy. Okay. So now there are a lot of different interpretations for this particular passage. Um, Some think that, you know, he really divorced her because he found another woman he liked because he did end up marrying Thora Townhart, uh, the daughter of the King of Sweden, um, pretty soon after. Um, And some say that he was pissed that she didn't have more sons. But I personally think that he just couldn't take how much cooler she was than him. And, I don't think that he ended up liking that he married a fellow warrior. Um, He wanted more of like a normal domestic wife because you have this really strong woman who's like, okay, but I also want to go out to the battle. And he goes, no, (laughs) like you have duties at home, you know? So I think it was, I honestly think it was just a power struggle. And I mean, it's a very modern day struggle. Yeah. It's like, okay, we both went to work all day. Who's making dinner? Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, so he divorces her um, and marries the princess of Sweden, um, but she died, (laughs) like, pretty quickly after. Um, So Ragnar married again. He married Aslog, who was, like, pretty famous in her own right because she was the daughter of the famous shield maiden Brunhilde. So we'll take a little side note on Aslog because... We did Brunhilde, right? I don't think so. We did. Uh, the name is super familiar to me, but I don't know why. We did somebody. I feel like who fought her. Mm-hmm. Remember the the lady who shut the her daughter's head in the chest. Oh, she was fighting yes. against Brunhilda. Oh my god, that was her sister in law, right? right? I think so. Stories are intertwining. <laughs> so maybe it's the same Brunhilda. Maybe it's a different one. It sounds right. Know. It sounds like the era of weird shutting women's oh, heads. Absolutely but it wasn't does. Brunhilda who did that. She was just. Yeah, she was the other person. The like, weird sister-in-law yeah. Yeah. of her shut somebody's head in a chest. Exactly. I, Tell me who we're talking about, I, everyone. For the life of me, cannot remember who that was. Um, <laughs> It was, I think it, it may have been a request, which is. I yes. mean, we get so drunk, we honestly can't remember half of what yeah. we've done. It's true. I have people ask me, like, oh, my God, what you said in that episode was so funny. And I'm like, what now? <laughs> what did I say? I like, I have absolutely no memory of that. Never, never happened. Um, so Aslog, again, is very interesting. She's the, you know, daughter of this very famous person. Um, but Brunhilde and, you know, Brunhilde's husband, another famous warrior guy, um, they die when she's very young. So she gets taken by this guy, Heimer, who wants to protect her. So he hides her in a harp. <laughs> I don't know why he has to hide her. Um, I guess maybe people are after her. How big is a harp? Like, I don't know. Like a harpsichord? I have no idea. But he hides her in this harp. Um, but then he's murdered by a peasant couple after they find Aslog in the harp. And they rename her Krakow. Um, which is the word for crow, and they take her in and raise her. But all throughout her childhood, they keep covering her with dirt to, like, hide her beauty. Because <laughs> they're like, well, if she finds out how beautiful she is, then she'll know. It's like, I... No. They didn't have mirrors. Like, what, <laughs> what? the hell are they I talking know. about? Also, Miss Krista, tell us how big a harp is. I feel, yeah, like, I feel like she used to teach music. I think... I think. 
I feel like that's true. You can tell me if I'm but wrong. But this is the thing. I'm like harps are big, but like there's no container unless they used to be connected to something that looked like a grand piano maybe. to hold the chords. I don't know. Or maybe we're just not maybe uh, maybe harp is just like a bad translation of like oh, what this instrument is. Maybe it's like a viking instrument that we just like don't even know. I understand now. I don't know. So <laughs> they get her all dirty and she grows up <laughs> dirty as can be. She's mm. like pig pen from <laughs> I was literally about to say that and I hate that you got there first. Oh. And I didn't even write that joke down. Sometimes I write jokes into my script and I didn't even do that. Um, <laughs> notes. They're notes. <laughs> so, um, but she has to get clean sometime. So she's bathing herself and Ragnar Lothbrook and his friends happen upon her. And they're like, oh, my God, she's so beautiful. She must be the daughter of Brunhilde. They, they Bathsheba'd her. They totally Bathsheba'd her. So he, yeah, takes her home and marries her. So now he is. <laughs> He's like, Has you're pretty log. when you're naked. Exactly. Um, and she's the one that bears him all of his famous sons, like Bjorn Ironside, Ivar the Boneless. Um, so she's a famous mom. So he's <laughs> she's uh, a famous. <laughs> she's got the bumper sticker on the back yeah. of her car. This is Viking mom. <laughs> there's like a helmet instead of a soccer ball. That's great. Exactly. So he's up doing his thing for a while and eventually there's another civil war in Denmark and mm. he's like fuck I don't have enough men I'm gonna need some help and you know who comes to his rescue fucking Lagatha she arrives with 120 ships and she leads her troops into battle saving his sorry fucking probably cheating ass not only did she do so with her troops and ships, but she applied expert military strategy. She cleverly went around the back of the battle and surprised the enemy from behind. Flank, like I'm saying. Flank him. This quote is uh, from the Saxon guy, whatever. Uh, Lagatha, who had a matchless spirit, though a delicate frame, covered by her splendid bravery, the inclination of the soldiers to waver. I feel like that sentence did not make sense. Um, for she made a sally about and flew round to the rear of the enemy, taking them unawares, and thus turned the panic of her friends into the camp of the enemy. That's all just to say she came up from behind. <laughs> she flanked him. She got it. So she wins the battle, and she tells Ragnar, well, you're welcome, but I have to go home to my new husband because I'm remarried too. So she goes home. But when she gets there, her husband is like, where the fuck did you go with 120 ships? Save my ex. And she was like, oh, I had to go help Ragnar. And he's like, your ex-husband? Like, what the hell? Why didn't you tell me? And also, I just don't approve. And she was like, well, I don't really care if you approve. Fuck off. And she takes a sword that she had hidden in her dress and she stabs him. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, um, and she takes over all the land that he owns. <laughs> um, and Saxon obviously did not approve of this because he said she usurped the whole of his name and sovereignty for this most presumptuous dame, just want to name the cocktail after, <laughs> thought it was pleasanter to rule without her husband than to share the throne with him. It's like, yeah, sounds about right. Sounds great. Sounds fantastic. Um, and that's the end of her legend. Um, but she has recently had new life breathed into her by Catherine Winnick in the History Channel show Vikings, which if you haven't watched it, it's so great. I recommended it like years ago when yeah. Casey and I were super into it. 
Um, it's just a really great show and they give Lagatha just an incredible arc and I think they do a good job of like keeping her spirit alive but giving her like a real like story it's fantastic and a lot of it like does come from the legends like she really does like get married and save Ragnar and like kill her husband it's fantastic I mean but who hasn't yeah but who hasn't um (laughs) so in the article what was life like for women in the Viking age by Sarah Pruitt? She describes that the gen- the traditional gender roles definitely existed in the Viking Scandinavian community. Um, but there was more freedom to be had by women. They could own property. They could request a divorce and reclaim their dowries if their marriages ended. And they could gain custody of their children if the marriage ended, which is crucial. And that's a big deal because that is yeah. not common. No, definitely not. Um, the marriages were often set up by the families, but the women did have a say in them and they like didn't have to marry the person that their family chose. And if they found someone else, they could choose them. Um, and because men were often out at war and the women were left at home, they were largely responsible for like taking care of the home, but also like trading and the businesses thriving in their communities. It's so, very like, Spartan. Yes. It's very Spartan. Like it's kind of like how like now, like, like, again, I feel like we mentioned this last episode, but you posted that thing that was like all moms are working moms. And like that is it. Like and I feel like sometimes we can respect what like they were doing more yeah. <laughs> than we respect women now who do the same thing. It's like they're still like they run everything. Right. The husband might be the CEO, but she's certainly the CFO. Absolutely. Every time. Yeah. And it's like this has been happening forever and uh, we just have a complete lack of respect for it and it's like yeah they're just a stay-at-home mom it's like no actually like she is not only like running an agricultural business empire but also like teaching the kids raising them like doing everything and like keeping the community as a whole afloat oh yeah um and i think this is really interesting that because they were seen as the managers of the household, women were often buried with the family key ring as a show of like power and respect. Oh, cool. Yeah. Which I didn't even know they had key holes, let alone keys back then, but apparently they did. Um, so for many years, historians thought that because women were kind of in this position of power, but in the home, um, and because the word Viking comes from, from the word like Vikinger, which only applies to men, they thought that female Viking warriors just didn't exist. But we're learning now that that just simply isn't true. Um, through DNA testing and other things, um, historians have confirmed that the Viking warrior remains do include those of women. Um, and in fact, there is a famous set of Viking remains, which was found in Sweden in 1880. Uh, the grave included weapons, horses, and like a chess-like board called a king's table, which led the finders to believe that this was like a commander who used the board to develop war strategy. So for about 100 years, it was just generally accepted that this was a man's grave, and that was that. But in 2014, a female archaeologist named Anna Shellstrop studied the bones and she was looking at the pelvic structure and she's like, I think this is a woman. And the entire scientific community just laughed and laughed and they're like, that's ridiculous. So then in 2017, another female archaeologist and scientist, Charlotte um, Hardashena Janssen, was like, I believe you, girl. So she tested the bones and the DNA, of course, came back as female 
which meant that not only could women be warriors, but they could be commanders as well and have massive military burials. Yeah, and there so is cool. like a there's like a 2018 I think History Channel documentary about these bones. Mm-hmm. And it's very very good. It's very interesting and it just talks about the fact that like female Vikings were like female Spartans and they yeah. were buried as the head of the community because the men were gone all the time. Yeah. So the female Viking you know, queen, quote unquote, for yeah. the lack of a better word, was buried as the king of the community. Yeah, exactly. So cool. And like, it's cool because this one, like, was very clearly like a commander in the army because she had like weapons and stuff around yeah. her. Like, it's so cool. Because um, then, like you're saying, they found another one. One of the grandest burials ever found in Sc- Scandinavia from that period um, is the Oseberg Queen. This was a woman who was buried in an elaborate, decorated ship along with many valuable grave goods. This is from around 834 AD. So, again, we just have these, like, examples of, like, these extremely powerful women being buried. And it reminds me a lot of, you just mentioned her, the lady I did, like, a while ago. Oh my gosh. When she uh, was Boudica. Boudica. When she was with found the with the chariots. Yeah. It's like so cool. Because Boudica was like right when I feel like the Christian church was getting yes. to that region. Mm-hmm. And it's like this Scandinavian region. You know, women started to decrease in power when you started to get the like Roman Catholic yeah. church like encroaching upon the northern European peninsulas. Yeah. Um, because it was just not religiously sound. So the things before that, we have some really cool burials of like yeah. women who were in charge. And it's so wild to me how like you could literally like the map of a pandemic <laughs> chart the increase of like Anglo-Saxon Christianity Catholicism with the decreasing rights of women because it extends to North America too. like a lot of the Native American tribes had very equal societies. And then it wasn't until you had these outside forces coming in that were like, "Mm, you should not be doing that. (laughs) And they're like, maybe we shouldn't, you know, it's like, what (laughs) if somebody is like, Oh my God, I, you can have more power. Exactly. Yes, please. Thank you. Um, so all of this research and everything, plus the legends from all these writers, like these legends are not new. They've always been around. And I think that's why people are like, well, those are just fantasy. Like women didn't really do all that stuff because that's just fantasy. And you're like, everybody accepts that Ragnar Lothbrok was real. So why can't Lagatha be real? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's just one of those things. It's like, I don't know. So all of this has really finally just started to break the ice on just important, like female warriors throughout time. And maybe those were Lagatha's bones found with the strategy board. And maybe they weren't. But they definitely definitely belong to one amazing woman, whether we know her name or not. And that's the story of Lagatha, the shield maiden. What a great <laughs> story. It's really short, but I thought it was really cool. And I, I fell in love with her on the show Vikings. She's like the best character um, in a just field of shitty male characters. So. Yeah. It's neat. And like I, I have, and I'm sure I've said this on the show before, but fallen in love with Scandinavia in recent Mm -hmm. years, just because of my um, ancestry DNA test Mm. um, that came back that I am 
over half of my bloodstream is Scandinavian. That's so crazy. Which is really rare yeah. for somebody with dark hair and dark eyes mm-hmm. to like. Um, but then I also read an article recently about how like the Scandin the Vikings were a more um, like ethnic community than we know because hmm. they like accepted soldiers from a lot of different places. Oh, interesting. Um, but I don't know. I've I've started like as soon as I read it, I was like, oh no wonder I love coffee so much. <laughs> and I was like, that's so dumb. Oh my god. But that's why Ancestry is making so much money. So yeah. because they're good at what they do. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you ready for more drinks? I'm ready. We'll be right back. Let's do it. Um, we got a new patron this week. We did. Janine. Hello. Hello and thank you. We love you already. Yeah, we do. (laughs) All of our patrons are privy to photos of us as young people. Yes. Younger people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Extra episodes. Mm -hmm. uh, A a quarterly gift. So four times a year. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, a bonus material. Yeah, but we have gone on some nice little rants at the end of our episodes about mm. all sorts of things. And then we just put them on there. And we put them on there. You know, so. I don't even listen to them. I just cut it and put them on there. I don't know <laughs> oh, what that's we so say. Great. <laughs> so if you want to hear us uncut, uncut head over uncensored, Patreon. head over to Patreon. <laughs> no brisks over here. Perfect. Um, uh, what do you know about Christy Yamaguchi? Uh, I know that like, like you, it's like you get so obsessed with the Olympic stars that are around when you're a child. Right. You know, cause like I just, I loved figure skating when I was a kid. Who and, doesn't? I mean, who doesn't? It's the like, gymnastics of the winter Olympics. It is. It's the most beautiful, elegant thing. And uh, all I know is that she was a famous figure skater from when I was a kid and is she the one that like got a horrible like like crotch injury and then had to like drop out? No. Okay. Not her then. Nope. Um, <laughs> um yeah, but all like all I know is like just seeing her her face and her name and just like it was always just so exciting when the Olympic Winter Olympics came around. Yeah. And yeah, that's all I really know is that she's a awesome figure skater. Well, perfect, because I've got some fun storytelling to do. Okay. Uh, but do you want to know what you're drinking? I do. It looks beautiful. <laughs> very Valentine's Day. It is. This is called Steadily Forward. Ooh. And it's like kind of red, white, and blue themey, but okay. not quite. So this is like a black raspberry liqueur and then frozen strawberries in it, like the ones you would use for your smoothie. So mm-hmm. instead of ice, you're going to use frozen strawberries. Perfect. And then you are going to pour champagne on top mm. of it. So good. So mm-hmm. simple. It is. Cheers. Mm. And it's perfect. It's very good. It's a take on a, I found a whole bunch of like Olympic cocktails Ooh. and they all have like red, white, and blue ingredients. Yeah. Which was nice. I almost wanted to put ice in it because of the ice skating, but then I thought it would not look great no, in a champagne glass. No, I think glass. the frozen strawberry is perfection. Mm. Mm. Just so classy, just like Christy. I know. And <laughs> shall we? Shall we skate? Yes. Are you ready? Take me away. Right. Take me away. So Christine Yamaguchi was born on July twelfth in nineteen seventy one in Hayward, California. 
She was born in the suburbs of like the San Fran Bay Area, and she just describes it as a great, diverse, sleepy little town. Oh, like it was just right. Her dad, Jim Yamaguchi, was a dentist, and her mom, Carol Yamaguchi, was a homemaker. But when the kids were in high school, she was like a part time medical secretary. Mm, that's when you know your kids can ice skate when you're a dentist because uh, <laughs> yes. it is expensive <laughs> as long as you don't get darla a fit <laughs> christy's ancestry is probably one of the coolest things about her so i'm really gonna dig deep into her family for a moment because it's something that she's talked about a lot in many mm-hmm. of her interviews so christy is a third generation descendant of japanese immigrants both her paternal and maternal great-grandparents immigrated from japan okay which means because they were in California, both sets of her grandparents were in internment camps during <gasps> World War II. Oh, my God. And as we know, it's pretty cool that she goes on to win an Olympic gold medal as an American citizen. Yeah. So, like, just that is, like, a really deep... It, it ingrained in me something, like, really powerful that it's, like, look at us. Yeah. You know? It's like, we weren't American enough for you back then. Is this fucking American enough for right. you? Here's like, my medal. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, and it's sad because her grandparents are in internment camps, even though her grandfather was fighting for the U.S. Army in World War II. The rest of the family were in two separate internment camps. Her Obviously, they didn't know each other, like yeah. her maternal grandparents and paternal. Um, her grandfather was in one of the first non-segregated units in World War II. He was the only person of color in that unit, and they made him go to boot camp twice because they didn't know what to do with him. Oh. Because, like, the war had broken out when he was in boot camp the first time. And then they were like, shit, where do we put him? He's Japanese. Right after, like, Pearl Harbor was bombed. Um, and then he ends up getting awarded, like, this battlefield commission for bravery. And just, like, oh he goes God. on to be, like, a great warrior. Her father was five years old, living in the internment camp in Arizona. He says he doesn't remember a ton, but his older siblings were like teenagers and they were more changed by it. Mm -hmm. And Christy's mother was actually born in the internment (gasps) camp in Colorado. Oh, my God. So it's so that's it's so crazy how close it is to someone who's so close to us. Time wise. Yeah. Like, I mean, we talked about that in the Ruby Bridges episode where it's like, and someone made a good point. They're like, all those people who everyone is like, wow, they must be so evil yelling at Ruby Bridges. Like, they're still fucking alive today. <laughs> yeah. They're storming the Capitol two Last weeks week. ago. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, we forget how Close recent these things are. Like, Oh, my God. Yeah. I just got, like, chills because of that. It's It's wild. It was incredible. I wasn't expecting it from her story. Yeah. So she says that her families, when they were released from the internment camps, they go back to California, but they had to start over. And that perseverance was passed down to her. They had pride in who they were. They had pride in being American. And they really wanted to assimilate to the American culture. Um, she said her parents don't talk about it much or they didn't with her, but now that it's in the curriculum, her children, their grandchildren now like interview them for like school projects and stuff. So they've started to talk about it a little bit more. 
Christy had two siblings, Brett and Lori, and they grew up in Fremont, California, or Fremont, California. Christy was born with club feet. What? So she was born with her legs crisscrossed and twisted, and she said it wasn't a severe case that needed surgery, but for the first 18 months of her life, she was in casts. (gasps) And... Up until the age of three or four, she had braces on her legs with a bar in the middle. So she like a military crawled around because it was oh the easiest way to God. move. Can who you else? believe that? Who was the other Olympic? Oh, was it like Wilma Rudolph? Wilma Rudolph. That happened to her. Like yeah. couldn't use her legs. She had polio. For like a long ass time. Yeah. And then I was like, I'm just going to go to the Olympics. <laughs> it's fine. I'm just going to be the best in the world. <laughs> <laughs> it's, no, it's no big deal. Yeah. Just call me later. Um, so she says her parents were really proactive at correcting it. She said she's still bow-legged today, but thinks it helps her <laughs> in, being in, a, in being an ice skater. She thinks it gave her an edge. All right, we got to get that ice princess out here doing all the geometry. Yeah. Do you remember that movie with Kim Cattrall starring as Hayden Panettiere's mother? Yeah, yeah. perfect. What a fantastic movie. Listen, if you haven't seen it, you're Go missing out. get on it. <laughs> So when she's about four or five, her family starts her in ballet as leg therapy. And at six years old, that's when, like, she saw an ice show for the first time. And she was like, that's it. That's what I want to do. And her older sister took some ice skating lessons, but she didn't want to do it. And Christy was just like, I want to do it. But they tell her, you have to wait till you're six because that's the traditional age, like, Mm -hmm. when you start ice skating. You can start dance at, like, four, but six is ice skating. So soon her whole life is taken over by her ice skating schedule. Every day she asks, when are we going back? When are we going back? Oh my when God. are we going back? When she's taking lessons once a week. Or that whatever. must feel so satisfying as a parent to be like, thank goodness I didn't like waste. Like, because like, like, I feel my like money. This is the thing. It's like I did the same thing when I was a kid. I was like, I'm going to be in gymnastics. And I got in and I was like, wow, that fucking sucked. And right. then <laughs> whereas Christy's like, let me go. Let me go. Yeah, let me go. it must go. like And this is the thing. I feel like it also, though, sometimes it can be like, you know what? No, I don't want to do it. You know, like it's just it's cool to have the opportunity to like really foster that in your kid. Be like, yeah, "Yeah, sure. We can go as much as you want. Because kids are allowed to be like, that's not my thing. Oh, absolutely. And it happens a lot. But then sometimes it's like, this is my thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, our the rule in our household was like, you can try whatever you want. But you have to stick it through to the, like the end of the season end of or whatever, the mm-hmm. because your mind Fun. does change. It does, and it's if you don't love sometimes it, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> sometimes it's great. I hated gymnastics, loved soccer. <laughs> <laughs> so she did um, this little competition with little girls and came in like eleventh out of twelve, and um, she saw some other little girls wearing these shiny medals, and she said to her mom, "Like, where do I get one of those?" And her mom was like, "Well, you have to." come in you know one through three to get a medal and the competitive spark was lit I love that so nine years old she's good enough that she is going in and getting a coach the coach is Christy Ness and this was her coach up through the Olympics this is the biggest influence on Christy's life about work ethic about setting goals she would say what are you going to do today what are you going to do in the next hour If you're working and putting the time in and making strides, there is no secret to success. You plan and you work hard and that's it. Don't be afraid of hard work Mm. is what Christy Ness tells her. And Christy Yamaguchi says, well, I was nine and I was like, she has my name. Yeah, (laughs) She loved it. So she's 
taking lessons several times a week, but then by junior high, she's there every day, sometimes before school, sometimes after school, sometimes weekends, always a competition, at least once a month. And everybody always asks her, did you give up your social life? And she's like, give up. No, it was a choice. This is what I wanted. I wasn't giving anything up. Maybe I went to one football game in high school. Maybe I went to one dance. I don't care. I was in bed by seven because I was on the ice by four. Right. So back up. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. I feel like some people are like, wow, that must have been such a sacrifice. And it's like, she's probably like, no, because I just didn't want to do those other things. Yeah. (laughs) I wanted to be on the ice by four. So I went to bed. Right. (laughs) And then, I mean, she trained every day from five to 10. Her high school schedule was separate. She didn't have to show up until 11. And she took independent study for oh her God. other classes. She's like a Disney Channel star. Yeah. And I had, I, I've, I've actually taught a couple students like that at Falston where they left half day to go to gymnastics because they oh, were shit. so good that yeah. they were like training for something else. Mm. Um, so she said at that point, I was all in. It was a lifestyle. I was 15 or 16. And that's when it was like Olympic goals. I'm going right. to compete in the world um when she was young it was about being in pretty costumes and shows but in high school I'm gonna I'm gonna be something so Christy started out actually as a successful pairs skater in her amateur career which is very rare to be a pairs and single skater Hmm. she was skating with Rudy Jalindo and she won a junior junior title with him in 1986 And then they won a junior title in 1987. And then they won a junior title in 1988. My God. And then Christy and Rudy won pair skates again in 1989 and 1990. Wow. So in this period, she's doing a lot of national appearances and they're prepping for world appearances. Pair skating careers are very unique when they turn into single careers. So... Rudy and Christy were both actually really powerful single skaters, which made them better pair skaters and being good pair skaters made them good single skaters. You know, what's interesting is what I'm thinking of is like, we have a friend named Daniel, who's also a runner, just Mm -hmm. like you. And uh, he can run. Like I asked him one time, I was like, how far do you, like, how long do you think you could run? He was like, I mean, forever. Yeah. (laughs) I just never get tired. Like I could run for now till tomorrow right but he only competes in what is it like five k's yeah because he's like i know i could win those you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying so it's like it's really interesting to me like how they're like yeah we are really good separate but like together we're even more powerful because we're both good at like this certain thing yeah and it says that their side by side tricks were better then than anyone's ever done still today. Oh my God. Because not only do they have to be in sync, yeah. but you have to go up in the air and not quit. You know, if you're a single skater and your routine says a triple axle and you're too tired for a triple axle, you don't do it because you're scared you're not going to land it. Right. But if you know your partner is expecting you to land that triple axle, you do it. You don't have the option of giving up. There is no option. You have to do it. Yeah. Because he's going to pick you up right after and then throw you. You have to be in the right place. Right. So it actually made her stronger and made him stronger as skaters. That's amazing. It's really, really cool. So in 1990, Christy's like, hey, look, this has been great, but I'm going to – she. 
she Justin Timberlake's I'm gonna have my own singles career and he's like cool I love that apparently he's like super outrageous like in the ice skating world he's like super fun um, really and she is very like schedule oriented <laughs> so when they pieced out everybody was like we expected that but he went on to have his own really successful career in 1996 he won the U.S. championship and in 1996 he also won the world bronze medal so good for you Rudy um Christy won her first international gold medal in singles figure skating in 1990 at the Goodwill Games. In 1991, a teenager, she moves to Alberta, Canada to live with Christy Ness, her coach. So leaves her family. And a lot like um, Gabby Douglas did that, lived with her coach, not with her family. And a lot of them do because you have to go to an Olympic training center and there's only a couple in the world. What a weird, different world. (laughs) It's a lifestyle for it sure. It really is. So she's, you know, young or late teens, young college age. She takes a couple college classes in Alberta, but like just doing whatever. Um, that year, she placed second to Tanya Harding at the U.S. Championship, and it's her third consecutive silver medal. Ness, as a coach, you know, as I said earlier, they met at a skating clinic, but she was known to be a really tough coach. She definitely had structure. She had expectations, not only of the skater, but of the family. If they were five minutes late, they would she would go and lecture the mom oh my God. on why they were five minutes late. And she just like said, it worked for me. Yeah. Like, as a person, I'm Christy. This worked for me. So the very next month in Germany, Christy won the 1991 World Championships that year. And because of that, she makes the American Ladies Olympic team, which is now comprised of Christy Yamaguchi, Tanya Harding, and Nancy Kerrigan. I didn't (laughs) know she was there for all that. Uh, She was Nancy Kerrigan's roommate. (laughs) I don't know why I think of her as completely separate. Well, that's bananas. It's part of what my toast is going to be. I think she's overridden by that story and it's unfair. I think it's very unfair. Well, but I'm going to say a lot of figure skaters could have been completely anonymous. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that she isn't. Like, I feel like Christy Yamaguchi is a household name. Oh, she is. Everybody knows who she is. And like, thank God, because like, I feel like there are probably a lot of other amazing figure skaters that like do not get their name said because of that fucking bullshit. Yeah. And this is, so if you want to hear more about this, you can listen to, so episode 50 on hashtag history, Katie and I guested, and we talked about specifically Tanya Harding. We'll cover mm-hmm. her at some point on our podcast as well. But if you want to hear it right now, go do that and then subscribe to their podcast. Yeah. Um. So... <laughs> Christy Yamaguchi and Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan are the women's team for 1992. And they they swept the podium at the world competition the previous year, which is the only time American women had done that. So Mm -hmm. the three of them were like gold, silver, bronze. So sometimes she says, I would get off the ice and I would feel like, wow, I did it. But most often, <laughs> she would get <laughs> off the ice and be like, man, I wish I could skate that again. Yeah. And people always asked her, when did you know you'd be an Olympian? And she was like, maybe a year before, maybe <laughs> half a year. The U.S. is really competitive in their talent pool for figure skating, so it's hard to get noticed. You have to be like, excellent. It's like being a soccer player in the yeah. U.S. Everybody plays soccer. So right. nobody knows who you are. Yeah. 
1992, Christy won her first U.S. title, obviously gains the spot on the Olympic team. So 91 to 92, she's like, I felt like a robot. I'm walking on eggshells. I'm resting. I'm staying injury free. I'm eating properly. I'm not leaving anything on the table as an as an excuse. I eat. I drink. I breathe. I sleep. I skate. An Olympic athlete to everybody else is every four years. But for that athlete, it's every fucking day. They never stop. It's why I literally cannot watch that documentary, The Weight of Gold. Oh, because it's too much. It's too. I couldn't like because it hurts. I <laughs> it hurt. <laughs> it hurts too much. <laughs> um, that's a Gilmore Girls reference for you. Um, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> but yeah, I won a just, season. <laughs> I. I can't even imagine just that the the weight of it all mm-hmm. just the I have this one shot and then I have a year of fame and then the world forgets about me and, and the just, Wheaties still get sold. The, <laughs> <laughs> I have one Wheaties box um but you know what I'm saying it's like that whole thing of like for them it is every day and for us yeah, it's every couple of years. And you're yeah, like, like, wow, oh, good. I love it's that back. person. It's <laughs> and it's just like, I don't know. It's why I, I just can't bring myself to watch the documentary. I think it's going to be too sad. Oh, you'd cry the whole time. Yeah, I'm sure mm-hmm. of it. From, uh, from go. Yeah. <laughs> she says that she was proud to be a part of the generation of women who pushed the boundaries of the sport farther. The jumps were triple triples and triple axles. She knew that Midori Ito and Tanya Harding were con consistently landing triple axles so she tried i tried to master the triple axle she says but i didn't so i wasn't gonna put it in my olympic routine instead i mastered my triple triple and hoped that i could do it perfectly and technically enough that it would earn me enough points to beat a semi triple axle Mm -hmm. so that's her goal um and a perfect triple triple had not been landed in the Olympics before either. Hmm. So even though triple triple axles were new to the world, a triple triple was new to the Olympics. Ooh, so it was okay. like maybe if I land that perfectly, it'll mm-hmm. be enough. So um Olympic athletes have to do a short program and a long program. Christy was in the lead after the short program. The long program begins. Both Ito and Harding attempt their triple axles and fall. <gasps> oh my gosh. Both. She's probably like, this is my fucking, this is it. That's, this but is. But then your heart's cool, pounding. then your heart's pounding because this is like, literally the stars are aligning. It's like, this was the plan that if like the, if that thing failed then I could do the perfect triple triple oh my gosh right so I can do this now and she said I just had to do my best and forget what everybody else was doing so she knows that you know of the two the short and the long program she's got like what a total of six minutes to change her entire life she skates really well but she's like I don't know if it's enough I'll never know well she did know and it was enough (gasps) Christy won the gold medal. That's amazing. And Nancy Kerrigan won the bronze and Tanya was off the podium with her fall. And she's like, I can't believe this is happening to me. She was the first American to win a gold medal since 1976. Really? And she slept with her Olympic gold medal under her pillow that night, which is so cute. But her parents taught her. 
um, you can't rest on your laurels. You have to earn your keep. Mm. So, so what if you're done? Do something else. So at that point in the Olympics, you had to be amateur. So Christy turns pro after 92. Uh, she toured for many years with stars on ice and in the pro competition circuit. And she also performed as Jasmine in Aladdin on Ice for many really? years. For, yeah, for the Disney on Ice circuit. Man, I watched a video on Disney on Ice recently. It is wild what those people it's have to do. so hard. And yeah. it's a lot of olympic famous figure skaters who work that show yeah because they have to be good yeah and it's so crazy because they were talking about how like jasmine in the disney on ice thing now she has like a flying routine where she's like on wires and she's like yeah i have to like have these heavy ass boots on my feet and then fly in the air (laughs) and be do ballet and on the ice it's (laughs) insane well that was what christy amiguchi was doing amazing um she did so this was the year that um it was the 92 94 olympics so yep. the winter olympics and the summer olympics used to be the same year mm-hmm. and then there was the split and they were like let's do it every other mm-hmm. or every two or whatever and they asked her do you want to come back nancy kerrigan and tanya harding had signed on to come back and she says no and we all know how that story went. <laughs> so Christy Yamaguchi turned down. She said, listen, I won the gold. If I go back, everybody's going to expect the gold of me and it'll be too much pressure. I just mm. don't, I just don't want to. So she decided not to go back. Cause also I think she would ha- have had to go amateur again. She does say that her and Nancy had a wonderful relationship and that they had a good relationship with Tanya as well. She said it was a friendly competition. We had swept the world podium. We were all going for our own medals, but it made us better skaters. Christy was featured in the movie I, Tanya, and she says, I did watch it and it was a good story (laughs) is what she says. So we'll leave that there. So while she was at the Olympics in 1992, Christy met Olympic hockey player Brett Hedekin. (gasps) And after winning the Olympics, she said, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't have a plan. That was the plan. (laughs) So she had found someone that she wanted to start a family with. And they started their road to having a family. She wanted to be a mom. And that took over. She said, what is my purpose? What's my impact beyond being an athlete? I don't know, but I'm going to find out because my parents always told me you've been so lucky. What are you going to give back? Wow. Mm. So even beyond the Olympics, she said, I have to push. I have to give effort. So in 1993, she made a workout video with the California raisins. (laughs) (laughs) And then man, I love the California raisins. I mean, it's, it's a treasure of history. Uh, I hope no one finds it 2,000 years from now and wonders yeah. what the fuck we were doing. <laughs> and then she was part of a Got Milk campaign. In 1996, Christy established the Always Dream Foundation for Children, which provides funding for after-school programs, computers, back-to-school clothes, all for underprivileged kids and summer camps for kids with disabilities. She says that she was inspired by the Make-A-Wish Foundation and wanted to have a positive impact on the life of children because underserved children are a big problem in the United States and access is their biggest problem. Mm. Do they have books in the house? Do they have the things they need to go to school? Um, 
and that her i mean her foundation is over 20 years running and just oh making God. big differences in america that's amazing she and brett married in the year 2000 and they live in north carolina or they did live in north carolina while her husband played in the nhl for the <gasps> hurricanes oh my gosh and he went on to win the stanley cup <laughs> of <laughs> course so cool. of course he did oh my gosh love story on the ice both of them I love it and they have like this cute youtube video of her trying to teach him how to figure skate oh <laughs> because he's like a hockey God. player it's very cute they have two daughters kira and emma who are teenagers now christy became an author of four books always dream pure gold figure skate for dummies and also her new york time bestseller children's book dream big little pig christy has appeared as herself on everybody loves raymond <laughs> d2 mighty ducks what <laughs> frosted pink and go figure the terrible disney channel original that my daughters love <laughs> go figure is a terrible movie oh i i thought you were just saying a sentence i was waiting oh, no. for the title of the movie no it's, it's go called figure. go figure like figure oh, skate my go figure it's real bad. Well, she was an ice princess. A much better movie. <laughs> <laughs> in 2006, Christy was a commentator on figure skating for like the local mm -hmm. area. And then she gets a call in 2008. They say, listen, we need some people on Dancing with the Stars. <gasps> and she's super reluctant. She's like, I don't know if I want to do it. Whatever. Blah, blah, blah. She shows up. And after one practice, she's like, oh, we're going to win this. <laughs> <laughs> My competitive edge bumped in. She goes on to win the mural ball <laughs> trophy oh in Dancing with the Stars. And her husband said that she could not put it above pictures of him with the Stanley Cup. <laughs> She's like, no, the mural ball. I do feel like you're kind of setting people up to fail when you're like, look at this Olympic 80 champion. year old actor versus this <laughs> Olympic champion. Like. Oh, they knew who was going to win that season. Oh, yeah. They it's knew. just like the season when um <laughs> that one girl who was the wrestling person who went to like dance school with everybody here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Exactly I can't remember her name. About. But like everybody like she was from Maryland. So everybody's no. like, I took dance lessons with her for years. She went to my studio. But yeah. she was much older than me. I don't yeah. know. Her. Yeah. She was much older than me. Man, I wish I could remember her name. <laughs> we'll have to Google it yeah. on the break. I have a new <sighs> phone. I don't know how to use it. <laughs> so she has won a variety of awards. Asian Excellence Award, Professional Skaters Association, Women's Sports Foundation, World Skating Hall of Fame, U.S. Figure Skating Hall of Fame. But in 2010, the NBC Olympics were like, come be our broadcast analyst. And she's like, oh, my gosh, this is big time. So she is the Winter Olympics announcer. That's so cool. For the skating in 2010. And she became part of the Thank You Mom campaign, which are the commercials that make everyone cry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And she said, you know, when when they were young, my kids wondered why people knew my name. And at that point, she was becoming the part part of Faces of America um, campaign, which was about like ancestry and finding all the different faces in America, which obviously hers is of Japanese heritage. But in 2012, she created her own activewear line that was focused on function and comfort and style and empowering women to be good and feel good. And then she donated all the proceeds to early childhood literacy because she's a boss. But the cutest thing is that one of her two daughters is a skater. Mm. 
And there's so many vid- videos online of them skating together. And her daughter's coach is her former doubles partner, no. Rudy. Oh, Rudy <laughs> is her coach. And Christy is turning 50 this year. And she is just doing it. And that so far is the story of Christy Yamaguchi. That was awesome. I love that. It's just like a feel-good story. Like, that's so great. I just... I just kept reading and being like, this is wonderful. <laughs> Please, Christy, keep smiling. Oh, Tell me so more. Great. I just, I loved it. Mm. All right. Well, now we need to talk about these two women in a little segment we like to call Just the Two of Us. Wow. Okay. Where do we even start? I just, well, let's start with, I want to start with Norway. So, Norway. Okay. I am. Um, one of the things I think is really cool about splitting the Summer and Winter Olympics is that we got to see new countries shine in mm. the medal count. Yes. So, like, usually the Summer Olympics medal count consists of certain countries and the winter medal count consists of others. Mm-hmm. And Norway, Sweden, and Finland are almost always winning the oh, winter yeah. medal count. And it's something we didn't realize until, or at least I didn't realize, until the 90s when they decided to split it up. Yeah. Now it's like, oh, Scandinavia is a sports champion region. Yeah. And we didn't we didn't see that before because it was spliced with the wrong data. Right. Well, and I also think that it helps like the like gymnastics because like, you know, they're always like like every like Olympics go around. It's like people cling to like the gymnastics and the figure skaters, you yeah. know, and now they can just shine on their own without like competing with this other sport that they have like nothing to do with. Now it's like, show me the curling. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I actually got really excited this week because I was like, because Casey and I got a, (laughs) an antenna this year. I mean, we've had it actually for a couple of years. We just plugged it in this year. And Mm. I was like, Casey, we can watch the fucking Olympics this year. And we're very excited. It's really the best. It really is. It's a it's a fun time. And I just I thought it highlighted the Scandinavian region for their winter sports. Yeah, because I do feel bad because I feel like I mean, even in my story, which is about that region, they get paired together as a region. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I do like that the Olympics gives these like countries like a chance to kind of shine on their own without just being like, yes, Scandinavia won because the peninsula, I just feel like that was like my whole story was like, I can't keep track of where they are. I was like, they're in Denmark, they're in Sweden. Like I didn't even talk about Finland, but I'm sure they were there too, you know, because of course also back then, like borders were not the same. They weren't the same. Um, But it is that whole I don't know. And I feel like there is kind of like a Nordic attitude of like, we have to get through the hard winter and you just have to get, you got to get through it. That I just kind of saw in not only both of these stories, but both of these regions. And I feel like it is very Scandinavian to just be like, we got to get through this. And I think it's a very Olympic athlete thing of like, you have to just work through it and it's what Christie's parents taught her to do and I think it's what Lagatha's community taught her to do you know what I'm saying like I think that those things were just ingrained in them and the what about like coming from behind to oh, win yes. the battle like hey I know this person can do a triple axel and I know this person can do a triple axel but if I 
can sweep in from behind. Yes. If I can flank them, then I just might win. Well, I wrote that they were both very strategic. They were strategic in how they won the battle, just like you're saying. Christy, like, saw the playing field, and she was like, I'm not going to try and do what they're doing. That's the wrong strategy. For me. For me. It's exactly it. And, like, I feel like Lagatha said, she was like, I'm not going to go in like a man from the fucking front, like, shoot until you see the whites of their eyes. She's like, that's fucking dumb. She's like, I'm going to come in from behind and surprise them because that's what will get you to the win. And I think that Christy also like expressed a lot of strategicness in her career too, of like, she didn't want to like push anything. She was like, you know what? I could go back to the Olympics, but I'm not going to do that because there's a strategy in in your career. And it's like, well, if I do that and then I lose, then it's like I'm the gold medalist who fell from grace. Right. You know? And I, that's exactly what Laga that she's like, if I go in just straightforward and lose, then it's like that's the woman who led her troops into certain death. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And I think as a woman, you have to sometimes if you're going to exist in like the male dominated field of like sports or war, then like you have to be that extra level more intelligent to like not only persevere, but win. You have to you have to plan so far ahead. And it's interesting because that is the way it is like with figure skating mm-hmm. um, for men and women. Either you get the gold or you're nothing. Yeah. The only reason we know Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding's names is because of the drama that occurred. Yeah. Because they they didn't win the 1992 Olympics and mm-hmm. then they went up against each other in the 1994 Olympics mm-hmm. and obviously the assault that took place on Nancy Kerrigan. But it's like, if you don't win, you're nothing. That's the figure skating world. You yeah. cannot name the bronze medalist, the Mm-mm. silver medalist. It doesn't matter. Yeah. This is it. And I I found that so true of like, the animals that Logatha had outside of her house. Mm. She's like, I'm here. And I am going to protect myself, but there's this shield of this, you know, bronze and silver medalist in front of me. And if you get through them to me, then there's a problem. Right. Yeah. No, exactly. And I just, I think it all kind of comes to like them both being so focused, you know, like they both lived a very focused life. And like, I think it's very interesting that we're talking about you know, Lagatha's bear and her hound and kind of like she's putting a lot of energy into protecting herself. And (laughs) that's kind of her focus. And like, I feel like that's what you do when you're training to be an athlete. It's like, I'm protecting myself from losing by training as hard as I can. You know what I'm saying? And they were both just working with what they had. And I think that like both of them were just working towards a goal and putting like aside their personal life like I don't even know if Lagatha was really interested in being a wife or a mother and like it happened with Ragnar but like did she even really want that I don't know I mean he killed a bunch of animals outside of her house and then she's married like (laughs) (laughs) yeah we won't know that's the thing we We don't get to know no um but I think that like with like them being so focused, it's like they're just working towards being the best. And I think that, you know, with Christy, it's like she's kind of killing her competition by like being that strategic self. And I thought about how she's kind of like killing like her outside life. And that kind of reminded me of Lagatha, like killing her second husband Mm. of like 
those are the things that don't actually matter to me. You know, like, because for Lagatha, I was like, yeah, I'm killing this guy. Like, yes, he is labeled as my second husband, but I don't love him. Right. And then for Christy, it's like, yeah, I'm like killing my social life. She's like, but I don't want that anyways. Who cares? That's not a thing that I'm pining for. You know what I'm saying? And like, Lagatha didn't pine for her second husband. She was like... That's not like everybody thinks that like, oh, you're sacrificing X, Y, Z. And like, I feel like both of these women are like, no, I'm not. Like, <laughs> I'm doing what I have to do to be the best and to reach my goals. Yeah. It's like I wanted to do this thing. So I took this path. Yeah. I'm not giving anything up because if I was, I would have chosen that. That's, yeah. that's what I would have picked. Yeah. And I, I like that we can see that in the afterlife bone structure. Mm. I hope that, you know, a, you know, a million bazillion years from now, if somebody was going to dig up Christy Yamaguchi, they would say, hey, she was born and there was something there was something that was not exactly correct about her legs but look what she did because you can tell stuff like that from somebody's bones and from being bow-legged and I loved that you just mentioned the bone structure of Mm -hmm. these women because their bones and their DNA gave away who they were their greatness and the same thing will happen to her her greatness will be shown in the afterlife, in in what has happened to her legs. Well, and here's the thing. It's like, what if we put Christy Yamaguchi in a time period where, like, it's years, hundreds of years in the future, and the history of women has been erased? Because that is what has happened to women in the past. Their history has been erased. I'm just imagining, like, they dig her up, and they're like, okay, well, this skeleton has a pair of ice skating boots with it. So like they and a were gold an medal and a gold medal. So they must have been a man. Like I would, I would imagine like you could see that and like be like, okay, this was a male, like Olympian or a something very like that. Short male. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, but like, cause if you just look at like the most plausible answer, which is what they did with the Viking women, they're like, well, the most likely explanation is that it was a powerful man. Right. And, and I, to be <laughs> fair, you don't see hear horse and say zebra. Like you don't. Yeah. It's just like what they say with like the dinosaurs where they're like, yeah, they could have tons of fur and like weird shit going on. But all we have is their bones. So like we've shrink wrapped them. (laughs) Yeah, we don't know. And that's what we've done because we've known that like archaeology and science and all this has a very sexist view of like, well, we live in a patriarchal society. So the most common explanation is that they did, too. So like, let's read everything through that lens, which obviously failed us yeah it totally failed us when looking back at warrior women like we just didn't believe it and like there are still some people that are like no those can't be women it's, it's like, a story like it's a story katie it's i don't a story. know it's an epic poem <laughs> it is but um, i just i also i love that you kind of ended with christie's thank you mom campaign because i was thinking about how like being a mom is like important and equal and valid whether you choose to be a mom or not and I think that it's really interesting that like being a parent is very it's a part of both of their stories but it's not the main focus and I kind of love that she kind of brought this attention to like yeah like thank you mom like because it is such hard work and like we're talking about women that went into literal battle in the Olympics and Kind of like we were saying with a lock of the, lock of the story, like we respect that so much more than like women who just like 
run shit on a day-to-day basis which is so hard it's i think it's one of the really it's one of the coolest things that the olympics has done with their commercials in the last like you know five to ten years is just highlighting the fact that like this athlete is so good you know despite whatever happened because someone brought them here like they didn't show up at five years old at practice every day because they could drive yeah like somebody <laughs> got them there and it's just a very interesting look at the world of like without parental figures the olympics it's like who who cares yeah it's not a thing yeah and i like i like that take on it that that neither of them necessarily their stories focus on momming but momming is a necessary for both of them yeah no absolutely mm man moms mm. aren't we good as i leave You're mine in great. the other room watching tv while i drink uh, as i lay my eggs to waste um <laughs> hey listen you know what you don't have to be a mom it's average at best <laughs> also thank you misty for listening this far yes that's, please thank you that's what she said on patreon one of our things was nobody listens this far. She goes, I always listen this far <laughs> just to make sure. That's so nice. I want to see what drunk shit you guys yeah. say. <laughs> I feel like by the end, I'm just like, Da-da-da-da. and I, because I loved in the Cottingly Fairies episode, we like started like, you know, like we're not going to talk about privilege. And at the end, I was like, man, that's some privilege shit right there. <laughs> uh, every time. I was like, damn, I really fucked up. Um, uh, but who cares? No one cares. No one cares. Everyone cares. Um, well, you want to toast? Are you ready to toast? I'm so ready to toast. Allie, who would you like to toast this evening? I want to toast people's stories that are covered up by the people around them. Mm. I just really think that Christy Yamaguchi did some really truly great things, and she had... Some counterparts whose like drama story in Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan kind of took over her story. And it kind of sucks because Christy Hamaguchi is the star of yeah. that era. And she doesn't necessarily get that stardom. Mm. Um, and as she said, the movie was a great story. <laughs> oh my so to Christy for being covered up in that era when you you landed a triple triple for the first time in the Olympics and no one had ever done it and no one's talking about it. So all right. Good Cheers job, Christy. You, Christy. I have no liquid left in my glass. Me neither. We're just drinking frozen. <laughs> we're drinking frozen strawberries. What do you have? I actually, our toast co- goes so well together because I'm giving a hearty skull um, to the unexamined women. The women who have yet to exist purely because men have not wanted to explore the possibility that they do exist. Mm. I feel like women's history is not only ignored, but you're right. Co- like, I, I think it's so interesting. You said covered up because I think they're literally covered up by male history. Um, and I just want to toast them because they do exist, whether or not um, we want to acknowledge it or not. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> All right, Allie, now that we're at the end, what are you enjoying in pop culture this week? Okay. So one quick promo. Okay. And one better one. Okay. So first on Instagram, everybody go look at I am Sasha. It's I-A-M-S-A-S-S-A. 
in the last 100 days of last year, she did a different painting of a different woman every day. Oh, that's and amazing. I did post about her on Instagram in like November, but that was like in the midst of the 100 days. So now you can go and see them and they're just stunning. And she just picked some incredible women and you can buy prints from her oh, that's so cool of like all of these incredible women so i am sasha is the name on instagram and her links in her bio if you want to buy stuff ah wonderful the second one <laughs> is lost in the woods the song from Kristoff and frozen 2 <laughs> and i know i promoted frozen 2 like back when it came out but i want to reiterate that it is so important that we show men showing feelings on screen for young men yes and him being like so confused about his relationship and expressing it and then finding a male friend and expressing it to his male friend and his male friend helping him instead of making fun of him. And then him and going and very positively helping Anna, even mm. though they're in like relationship troubles at the time, all of it was written so very well. And I listened to Lost in a Woods on my running mix because <laughs> I think it is magnificent to hear a male Disney character sing a ballad about not understanding love because it, go. it has not happened yeah. before this. That's amazing. Usually they're like, I know what's happening or they just don't get a song at all. <laughs> One jump. <laughs> Usually they don't even have a name. Right. <laughs> Prince, Prince what now? Charming. Charming? <laughs> um, so yeah, please go listen to lost in the woods because it's great. Awesome. Okay. What do you got? <laughs> All right. I'm going to recommend a riveting television show, Fargo. <laughs> so I know that it's based on a movie, Fargo. The movie's but I great. I haven't the movie's seen great. the movie. Okay. Um, I'm just living for the Minnesota accent. I think they're <laughs> so great. And I think Fiance is just so sick of me talking in a Minnesota accent for the rest of the night. We're mm. going to bed. And I'm like, did you brush your teeth? <laughs> <laughs> Casey, you got to tell me. Come on. And he's like, stop it. <laughs> um, but yeah, every season, it's really interesting. Like the third season was okay. But the first and second, like they basically take place in like, I think it's like 2006 and then, nine, then like 1979. Ooh. So some of the characters are in the second season, but like they're from the first one. So you're like, oh shit, that's what they were talking about in the first season. Mm. It's incredible. But I will give Love a caveat. That. Every episode opens with like, this is a true story. It's not apparently. No. And I was really bummed out to hear that it wasn't. Mm. But yeah, so far it's been so good. So we're going to start this season four soon. And I'm really excited about it because um, season one and two were amazing. Yay! So yeah, so go check it out. It's really good if you're looking for like a new dramatic tv show <laughs> um all right well that's it so find us everywhere please do youtube instagram mm -hmm. patreon specifically mm -hmm. <laughs> like rate and review us for free please. that's one of our favorite things um we're gonna see you next week though because yeah. we're gonna see you every week for until eternity because we have ten thousand <laughs> requests you guys have sent in thousands of requests we're we're gonna be going for years i also love artemis sent another email that was like i'm so sorry i'm sending you more requests no we're like take we it. Love we it love it we love it so Give us artemis more. you're fantastic we thank love you. you thank you um so yeah just be like artemis send us some awesome requests we will get to them we promise um um, it just takes a little bit. Our sometimes. list is growing, <laughs> growing like the hair on Rapunzel's head. Um, 
So yeah, it's cut off and brown. Exactly. <laughs> Dirty brown. Um, so yeah, we love you. We'll see you next week. And we want you to never forget that well-behaved women have a really hard time admitting when they're wrong. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and they rarely make history. Goodbye. Bye. Stay. listening to her story on the rocks we are independently produced by 1986 entertainment and proudly recorded in baltimore maryland if there's a woman in history you would like us to cover you can email us at herstoryontherocks at gmail.com you can also message us on twitter or instagram we post all of our cocktail recipes on tuesdays so that you can go get all the supplies you need and drink along with us see you next week bye